Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. So this is a news person that can speak how many different languages? Uh, I don't know how many he is capable of speaking, but this is uh, Philip Crowther of the Associated Press. And uh, I believe this is all from one day. He did reports in six different languages. Beaucoup de, de partisans de Donald Trump. Uh, this is French. Beaucoup de, de partisans de Donald Trump, en fait, lui croient quand il dit que l'élection présidentielle lui a été volée. This could very well hear in Northern, in Northern Georgia. Thank you for that. <laughs> yes, I know. <laughs> For Donald Trump as President of the United States. Los funcionarios me dicen que el proceso se ha llevado a cabo sin irregularidades. Ambos los candidatos demócratas en las elecciones de segunda vuelta para el Senado de Georgia ya declararon a sus respectivas victorias. Y en Washington, directo al Weißen Haus, es nuestro reporter Philip Crowther. Es es so, que hemos escuchado de Donald Trump que él ahora tiene una gobernadora amtsübergabe. Sehen will. En Nationalgard. En Luxemburgisch, que yo no lange stunden. Und dann spürt man beim Präsidenten doch auch den Druck von Mitgliedern seiner eigenen republikanischen Partei. Luxemburgisch. That's, uh, you're looking that's a little, obviously it's a German dialect. You're looking a little Luxemburgish today, to me, so I don't know. <laughs> wow, that's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. You'd think with mad skills like that, he'd have a more profitable gig than an AP reporter, Reuters or whatever you said. And pretty fluent, apparently, because it seemed like right there he was like answering a question from... The six yeah, it's a jobs killer. That used to be six different people had that job. Now, yeah. ooh, look yeah. at me. I speak all the languages. Show March off. on him. <laughs> As we've talked about before, your brain either can do that or it can't. And, yeah. and if you're, I could try. Is I could dedicate my life to that, and I and I couldn't make it. I happen. always wonder what no. language they think in. It's got to be their most native yeah. one, right? But I, I wonder heard, do they dream go, in. Yeah. I, I've heard. Of, I was just reading about that the other day. Who's the uh, the the Samuel Beckett? Uh, Irish Nobel Prize winner for literature. He moved to France and did all his writing in France so that he could think in French because he thought more clearly in French than he did in English, which he spoke what? in Ireland. Yeah, and so what the hell does that mean? I don't even know what that means. <laughs> wow, that's amazing. And it's not like the guy was saying, which way to the train station? <laughs> I mean, right. You got to have a pretty decent vocabulary to be reporting on what sounded to be a political story. Um, so El, Donald El Trumpo. I got three things to get to on this podcast. So that's one of them. The other one is we we're talking about the consumer. Man, there's the pain in my back. God dang it. Ugh, explain that in a second, I think. Eesh. Um, we we're talking about the Consumer Electronics Show, which is kind of going on. It's more or less canceled, but they're sending out lots of videos and Zoom calls to the yeah, reporters. It's a never-ending Zoom call. Sounds fun. <laughs> but a couple of things. Uh, so Samsung, Kill me. <laughs> Samsung showed off a set of ro- robots designed to help around the house, if you consider ripping my head off help. Um, I heard uh, an article on uh, a report. It might have been NPR where they were talking about this uh, the British robot that can prepare and cook 5,000 different recipes. It's got all sorts of sensors and cameras and the rest of it. Wow. And I guess you probably have to put the carrots and onions and, and yeah. meat in front of it, but then it does all the work. Now, that I would like. The food bot, that would be groovy. One of the, the meals it can prepare? Human. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. You gotta, it's at the end of the recipe book, but it's there. <laughs> There's a 
There's a, uh, a little clip on that page, too. The robot put it there. <laughs> there is one more recipe you have yet to try. <laughs> and... Oh, really? Cookbot? What's that? <laughs> Hold still. Read, uh, read, read, read. General Motors, GM, took a giant leap showing off its concept for a flying car. How has this gotten buried? Is there a video of this, the flying car? Or is it just a bewheeled helicopter? And what's the difference? Anyway, so getting me to my back pain, one of the things of the Consumer Electronics Show is what they're calling the Ultimate Gaming Chair, which has got a rolling wraparound display. So it's like a, a, a nice-looking office chair, and it's got a computer screen on it. Well, I got led into a, a computer chair. screen. It's a 180-degree panoramic view. You can, oh my gosh, I can, the peripheral vision I can get when I'm battling teenagers on the internet and my games would be unparalleled. That yeah, nice description, Jack. It's like calling the Grand Canyon a hole. Come on, man. <laughs> it's a chair with a screen attached. <laughs> Idiot. <laughs> Turn on him, everybody. Michael. I was just trying to move on to the next part of my story, <laughs> which is how I came to buy this chair I just bought. So I kind of, uh, I, I came across an article about the ultimate gaming chair, which actually didn't have any electronics involved. It was just about being the most comfortable chair if you're going to sit in it for a long time. And it was something called the Eames chair. Or is it Ames? Eames. I think it's Eames. Have you ever heard of that? Eames? Eames no. So no. I was completely unaware of it, and I ended up going down this rabbit hole, and now I know something about something that I didn't know anything about. The Eames chair, invented by a husband and wife named Eames in 1956, took the world by storm. You'd know one if you saw one. It's It's got this kind of futuristic, remember the fu- the, the furniture of the 60s and 70s? You know, we're the same age, so you probably sat in some of these kind of weird-shaped plastic chairs, maybe even in school. They sure. Looked, they looked, like, futuristic. And for some reason, we decided those were bad and moved away from them. I think stylistically more than anything. Else, but the Eames chair is considered one of the most um, uh, important um, artistic... Um, I'm, I'm, there's a word I'm missing. Uh, style. Uh, one, one of the most important stylistic things that happened in the entire 20th century. Is it, how do you spell it? E A M E S. You'll see it, and it's okay. a very, it's a fairly normal looking chair. Well, I got the computer right in front of. Oh, yeah, that's a good looking chair. Dang. So now that I'm aware of the Eames chair, they're very expensive. A real one is very expensive. Six thousand dollars for a real one. Now, the, the, they were made starting in the 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 fifties all the way through the sixties. That company stopped making them. Another company started making them exactly the same way. They were expensive back then. They're expensive now. Now that I'm aware of one, and I've seen pictures, Frasier sat in one, you know, in the TV show Frasier. Tony Starks has one in his uh, Iron Man movies. It's 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 like a Rolex watch or a Mercedes. It's a it's a sign of look. I'm wealthy and I've made it. That yeah, I guess a seven thousand dollar chair that would have been lost on me. I wonder how many times I've been in somebody's house or whatever, and I've seen one and like didn't mention it because wiped a booger on it or something. Yeah, I, I freaking yeah. had no idea. What's <laughs> would up. you like to sit, Jack, in this chair? And you're like, nah, I'm fine. I'll um, stand. But so I came across this article saying it's the most comfortable chair ever uh, developed, and I did some reading about it, and then I came across an article of uh, best knockoffs of the Eames chair because I'm not going to spend seven grand on a chair or anything even close to that much money. But so uh, then I uh, oh uh, similar at the same time I go onto Craigslist and uh, I just I, t- I just typed in chairs and then went highest to lowest price and I came across um, a used knockoff a used Chinese knockoff of the Eames chair and that yes. is, and that is what I bought 
Um, and uh, according to the reviews and everything, it's exactly the same dimension specifications build technique as the real thing. Lots of great reviews on it. All did I know you, uh, is this. Did you run into Barbara Boxer while you're dealing with the Chinese there? Huh? So anyways, Got Eric Swalwell dropped it off. Well, yeah, <laughs> it was odd. Actually, Eric. actually, and you know this, the Chinese, when they want to, make stuff perfectly. That's one of the ways they're ripping us off. They so, they steal all the information about a, you know a Nike driver, and they can build one every bit as good and sell it for cheaper around the world. Or, or with this, you know, they put Nike on the side of it. But they're they're capable of doing that. Musical instruments, all kinds of different stuff. They're great at if they want to be. Not just the cheap crap that they sell us, but they can build stuff really high quality for cheaper because they have slave labor. Anyway, that's why I was hoping for with this chair. And I bought one, used Craigslist, brought it home last night, watched Apocalypse Now. Not the whole thing; it's too long. But I probably sat in the thing for an hour and a half, and I have back pain today, like I've never had in my life. Like I'm being stabbed. Wow. Like a completely new kind of back pain, different than anything I've ever had. Like somebody's got it like a robot that was supposed to cook me a meal, stuck a knife right between a couple of my vertebrae, and is just wiggling it around. Now, come on, China. For sitting in my cheap Chinese knockoff chair. Was it uncomfortable as you were sitting in it watching the movie? A little bit, yes. I was trying to deny it. I was trying to pretend it wasn't true, oh, that boy. having spent some money... And <laughs> the Emperor's time, new back pain. Yeah, exactly. China! <laughs> yes, I was trying to pretend, no, it's just uh, you know, it's just taking some getting used to. All right? I must have been sitting funny. No, this is comfortable. This is perfectly I, I comfortable. I think we have come to a real-life life example of why I feel polling, Q&A-based polling, is, is dead and does not work. Because you are Mr. If people would just stop buying... Chinese crap, yep. pay up a little bit, yep. get the good stuff, It's yep. it, it lasts twice as long, sure. but then when presented with the actual actions to do, <laughs> what do you do? Like, oh, good. we're turning on Jack again, this is yeah, fun. No, yeah, absolutely, That's, that, was the, that was the secret theme of the podcast today. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, yeah, it's... It, I, would not, I wouldn't even have thought that you could design a chair that would give me the pain I've got <laughs> if that was your goal. <laughs> designed in East Germany in 1968 or, or China now right yeah well now uh, here's just a devil's advocate question I know if if somebody maybe it's your mom or yourself you decide god my posture's terrible in fact even as I started that sentence I was slouching and now I've straightened my back if I sit with good posture for the next three minutes it will hurt maybe that's it I, I just wonder if the thing has straightened you up, you know, and you just, you, you're not using those muscles, and that's why it hurts. So, what is my lesson here? Don't buy cheap Chinese knockoffs of anything? Maybe that's the lesson. I, I guess, or just sit in it for the next four nights in a row, and either you'll have great posture Call or you'll be ambulance. crippled for life. <laughs> Call an ambulance to come pick me up. You got to take it to the wall, man. Armstrong and Getty. Armstrong and Joe Getty. I got my sexy pants on. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Somebody just texted this. It's pretty funny. The Chinese spy who slept with Swalwell and that old... Yeah, that fat old Midwestern mayor or whatever he was. Must feel pretty dumb knowing she could have just walked right into the Capitol. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, I slept with Swalwell. I could have walked right in. He's a handsome enough guy. A charming uh, so, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, the... the Sound kind of like you want to do him. <laughs> what was that? I don't know. Well, wait, is this a high school basketball team? Or 
locker room banter? <laughs> what the hell, man? You're better than that. Why don't, I don't you marry him? I think I, I think I just needed some different flavor from everything we've been talking about. I think that's yeah, what happened I know there. It. I know it. So we were just chatting off the air uh, about, uh, well, and off the podcast about the the angry reaction of the show the live show we did today which was about the uh, the storming of the capitol it happened yesterday as we record this um and and the various angles we we spent the whole show discussing it and got a lot of angry emails and texts and that sort of thing also quite quite a few very nice and supportive and pleasant ones too but um and jack uh, said i wonder how many listeners we actually lost today <laughs> and i don't want to lose listeners oh, and so i'm not, of course not. i'm not cavalier about that at all um, but if I were to believe texts and tweets, it's certainly three digits, and that's just people who, you know, took the time to express it. I'm sure there are people who are like, screw this. Um, you're going to say that about Trump. I'm not listening anymore. I've done that with shows. I've done that with sports shows. I've done that with talk shows. It's just like, yeah. I remember every once in a while I'd do that with John Stewart on The Daily Show. I'd think, all right, that's too much. And I'd be out for like a week. I'd usually come back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, it's uh, and and then I replied that I'm glad I don't know because that the minute you become too concerned about that sort of thing, you can't do what we do the way we do it. Maybe we ought to do something different. I don't know. Some of you think so. Um, and I was reminded. It was funny. It was just popped into my head during the years of me playing live music. You're way better off with a lighting system where you can't really see the audience. Oh, I've no, I've known that's true with our speaking engagements. I've known that between yeah. if I can't see, you know, somebody looking at their watch or scrolling through their phone, I'm better off getting open mic flashbacks. So <laughs> when you're when you're up there and and your point is a good one, it's a good example, but when you're playing music and you can't really see the audience cuz the lights, you assume everybody's digging it. And you play with confidence and personality, and and you let it rip, and you probably win over the audience. But if you're if you can see the audience, and you see the one person rolling their eyes, and the other guy getting up to take a pee during your best song, <laughs> and the rest of it can rattle the hell out of you, and you play worse. Yeah, and the weird rough. thing about human nature, you don't notice the ninety percent of other people that are actually grooving and digging to the tune, which True is that. a well, fantastic ratio. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, so anyway, but yeah, it's fine. We talked about this on the air. If you dig it, great. If you don't, we understand. I just well, I don't. I, we we simultaneously get like for a scale of one to five. What do you think of the show? And we will simultaneously get it's horrible. It's the best thing ever. And then three like in between, and the two that are sort of in between disagree vehemently with each other. So what to do with that data? Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't go so far to even say it's fine. It's just, what's the alternative? There's no alternative. It, the alternative used to be you'd go to the mailbox and, you know, you'd get a letter now and again, this sort of thing. Now we get thousands of emails. Oh, well, it's the old saying. Text. It's easy to please all the people all the time. Wait, no, that's not it. <laughs> <laughs> you got it wrong, Sean, idiot. Yeah, yeah. The capital storming compares to the Glywitz incident. I don't know what that is. I don't either. Reichstag um, fire, you hit me with that, I know that one. Right. But, uh, uh, this reminds me of the false attack in, ah, the Nazis perpetrated on a Polish radio station, 1939, mm. just across the border. That's right. That's in the rise and fall of the, uh, the Third mm. Reich. Right. I do uh, remember Nazi that. Germany, in, 19, it. in order to have an excuse to invade Poland. I'm not saying that's what happened. It just reminds me of that. There's actually some vaccine uh, news that came out, and I was all ready to go with today until, you know, the craziness happened. 
Oh. I'm exhausted by this. Yeah. Exhausted. Well, it's, it's a lot of, uh, I mean, here, here you go. And we may mention this on the show tomorrow. Uh, forgive us if we do. But um, And then uh, Megan, the physician's assistant from Dallas, uh, got the second shot now. The, really? The okay. dose of the second shot. Uh, got it Monday. Uh, very easy. The shot itself was fine. Tuesday morning, I woke up feeling like I was coming down with the flu. Mild chills. Just not feeling great. This progressed over the course of the day Tuesday until I was just feeling like crap. Chills and fatigued. Thankfully, I had a short day. Was able to go home early. That afternoon, I popped a temperature of 100.3. Took Tylenol. The fever, as well as most of the symptoms, subsided. Uh, woke up Wednesday feeling 100% again. Uh, just a bruise on the arm. And she sent a picture of her arm. Nice guns, Megan. Clearly, you work out. Well done. Probably has got something to do with the fact that she sent the picture of her arm. If you had the bingo wings, you might not send the picture. You'd probably hesitate, or you'd take two or three angles till you came up with the right one. Why is that a primarily woman thing, the bingo wings? Just where they store fat, I guess. Okay. Yeah. Just yeah. like men yeah. primarily in their belly. Sure. Yeah, you don't see a lot of guys with, like, really heavy thighs. For instance, it's just a, you know, okay. a man, woman. Of course, there is no such thing as men and women. That's all socialization right there. That's societal <laughs> pressure that causes men to store fat in their belly because they're told that that's how a man should behave. It's really, it's toxic masculinity through fat. Armstrong and Getty. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. But resist, we must. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Sean, just a quick cautionary tale before we get to the meat of the thing. 43-year-old Simon Shanks, a champion video gamer, found dead still clutching his Xbox controller after an all-night session. Found slumped on his sofa in front of his screen. How old? 43. What was his score and or did he win? That's my question. <laughs> um, did he just have a heart attack? Because he can have a heart attack doing anything. And he was sitting still on the sofa. His friend went upstairs to bed, came down 11 hours later. That's a good sound sleep. Found uh, Simon dead at his home. He's sponsored, too. He's wearing his T-shirt with his sponsors and everything. Well, how how good do you have to be to get sponsored, Sean? Um, you have to have a decent amount of traction already um, to do that. But uh, what this does, if I dug deeper, I wouldn't be surprised if he was doing one of these... Um, so in the stunt uh, economy of getting internet views, one of the common things for live streamers to do is, all right, we're we're pulling out, a, well, we're doing a 24-hour stream, everybody, and oh, they geez. kind of do, I am on camera, live streaming, whatever, gaming, doing and whatever so, it is so I do. So you can just, like, check in whenever you want, see if they're still doing it. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah, and, you know, people fall asleep during streams and chatting. You know, there's various yeah, reasons why this... Yeah, I can see my brother, or my, my brother, my the, which one is the one that came from my mom? or uh, My son. I could see my son getting into this, like if Beckbro Jack was doing a 24-hour, yeah. checking back in to um, see if he's still at it. So if he was attempting to do one of those things, you know, that it's it's a sad story either way, but, you know, I, I could see that being one of the, the activating or you can have a heart attack doing anything. His friend who found his corpse said he had not taken any drugs the night before, to his knowledge. Post-mortem report found he had a thickening of the heart, while a toxicology report found therapeutic levels of prescribed medication, as well as levels of methadone, cocaine, and morphine. Hmm. So I think bad heart just, and did drugs. That's over the top. I mean, I find if I have a nice dose of methadone, some cocaine, I'm feeling good. Add morphine to that is just, I don't know, it's crazy. At what point do you know which is doing which? Exactly. Right. Know when to say when. A little coke and morphine, fine. Leave out the methadone. Come on. 
So uh, my uh, ender off was the Kentucky Derby was this weekend. I never attended the Kentucky Derby, and I don't think I ever will. I don't have any desire to attend any big sporting event ever again in my life, really. But um, what's the biggest or coolest single sporting event you ever attended? Michelangelo, you first. For me, it'd be one of the NBA playoff games. I well, think pick it's like one. Most... What was the biggest one, the most exciting one that you were glad you were ever... Be... The, if you... uh, it was Kings versus Lakers. Which one? Ah, uh, shoot! I think it was Game Six or something. The oh. infam- weren't you at the infamous no, no, no. Game, game Six? No, it'd be Game Five. Game Five. Oh, okay, that's right. right. Game Five. Was, game Six was a ripoff. Too. Yes. Game Five was the Bibby shot. Yep. Um, uh, my probably the the first time I walked into an NFL stadium, it was uh, I was visiting my uncle in San Diego. Uh, he bought tickets from a scalper outside the stadium, and I thought, well, this is interesting. Um, and then when I first walked in and saw what I had only seen on uh, TV before in terms of just the field and how it looked, and it was almost assuredly the biggest crowd that I had ever sure. been in. Just the 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 actual feeling of oh, there's so many people. Look at this. What, what the? Yeah. And it was they were playing against the Browns. I still remember this. They had a bunch of. Uh, my uncle was surprised that all look at all these Browns fans and somebody else made the joke. Oh, they got sick of the winter or whatever. You know, they moved out. <laughs> yeah, good probably, times. Probably classic San Diego sports fan humor. Yeah. Um, and well, uh, I like your angle though. You're going with it. It was the most impactful just because it was the first one, and you're it's a the kid. one I remember yeah. the most. A lot I'm, of the other ones all blend together. Yeah. Of course, you've been in sports radio a lot, so you've been to a lot of yeah. big events. Yeah, yeah. So they would they would not have the same. If you get close to the business, it becomes less exciting. It becomes more of just a, a little business. Yeah, people get a little blasé. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. I'd say for me, uh, the biggest, definitely the Indy 500, which I really, really enjoyed. It's a long, exhausting day, but it's fun. Um And I wasn't a big car racing fan or anything, but it is an amazing spectacle, and the cars go so fast, and whoa! I mean, it's the sounds and sights are, are cool, but my favorite was probably uh, going to uh, game two of the National League Championship Series in, when was that, 1989? When it looked like the Cubs were going to the World Series for the first time in 105 years, I was at the second game where they beat the Padres. Um, and it and they were up 2-0, and no team had ever gone up 2-0 and lost a five-game season until the Cubs did that year. But because that was, of Mrs. O'Leary's cow or something, I don't remember. Exactly, what the whole thing Mrs. Was. O'Leary kicked a goat. <laughs> the goat bit Mayor Daly. He right. beat the Chicago Seven. <laughs> Mistook Ryan Sandberg for one of the hippies, and uh, and he couldn't hit anymore, as I recall. Huh. So I was gonna go with um, either Game Seven Lakers Kings, which was an amazing. Thing to be. I mean, that was a great one of the great NBA showdowns. Period. Anyway, and the fact that I had such a rooting interest in one team, um, or uh, Packers Forty ers at Lambeau when they were both like Super Bowl teams, mm. um, went to overtime, and but it was just a fantastic to be there. But Sean took me back to. The, really, probably the most impactful. I had been to Major League Baseball games when I was a little kid. Because I was a little kid, I didn't quite get what it was going on. I thought it was cool and everything like that, but I still didn't quite, quite get it. Then I didn't go to another Major League Baseball game until I was like 16, when I fully understood what was happening here. And I had, is at Royal Stadium in Kansas City, and we had terrible seats. I mean, like, I'm the people are like ants. But still, yeah. the fact <laughs> that that's freaking Reggie Jackson. 
right freaking there. Right. That's George Brett. I mean, it was just so mind-blowing to me because I'm from the middle of nowhere. You do not see celebrities. You do not see anything like that in person. And the fact that I was seeing these actual human beings, even though they were so small, <laughs> they could have been anybody, but I knew it was, you know, it's left field or... Oh, and cheap seats in baseball are terrible because you can't see the ball. Well, every pop-up looks like it's a home run. That's right. part of sitting way up there. Like, oh, my God! You know, it's, it's pop up the second base run settles under it. <laughs> but, yeah, Amazing. so I think that was the most impactful. I mean, me and my friends, who had also never seen anything like that, we were all just, I can't believe, we'd still be saying it an hour later, I can't believe that's Reggie Jackson right there, we'd still be saying. So, yeah, it's it's terrible when that it's like the innocence of youth, I guess, with all things. All things innocence of youth go away. It's just it's just part of the deal. But, mm-hmm. you know, you get a little older, and if you're connected, and you make a little money, whatever, and then pretty soon you're sitting in uh, front row seats for this and that, and you walk out halfway through the game because you got better things to do, and it's, just <laughs> never, it's not quite the same thing. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, most impactful, and I've told this story before, had to be the first time I went to a, a Major League Baseball game with my dad, because that's seared into my memory. Coming out of the, the, the concrete, uh, what do you call it, the, the, the hallway, the giant hallway, concourse, uh, at Wrigley Field, coming up the concrete steps and seeing that field in person for the first time. Uh, the the grass was impossibly green. The bases were impossibly white. And seeing the guys in their gleaming white pinstriped uniforms is just amazing. I think it was. If I could be transported back to that moment, I might have a heart, heart attack. Wow. At my I, current age. I think it was at Wrigley Field where I did one of the most impactful things of my youth by uh, telling my dad <laughs> I needed to go to the bathroom. I'm probably eight years old. Telling my dad I need to go to the bathroom and accidentally walking into the women's room instead of the men's room. And you wouldn't think it'd be that impactful, but because I was a shy kid who followed the rules and I'm in the big city, which I'm not used to, walking into the women's room and then looking around, where are the urinals? And it's all women looking at me. I was just so horrified, just deep to my soul. I can still picture that room like I saw it. Five minutes ago, I can picture the women that were in there. It was all clothed. I didn't see anybody. But it was just, I was so horrified that I'd done something wrong. And I got back to the seat and I didn't tell my dad. And I was just sure they were going to announce it over the loudspeaker. <laughs> the police are on the way to get the eight year old who just walked into the women's restroom. I was just sweating bullets and mortified. It's oh, terrible. Oh, man. Terrible. You probably couldn't enjoy the game. No, for an hour and no, I was just waiting for the, uh, the police to come apprehend me. Take me away to prison forever. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, Edelman, there is a pervert in the park. Ark, ark. We're asking your help in apprehending ending the young man so, who was perving out. Out. Did you have to hold it for the whole game, or did you? Did... I don't remember what I did. I was too young to even have, you know, uh, the idea of the pervert. It was just like, you don't do that. You don't go into the women's restroom. I'm a little kid. I, I made a mistake. Hide behind the corner every time you see an usher come, because you don't understand the yeah. level of uh, authority that various people have. Just because <laughs> I'm thinking of it, one of my... Uh, it ended up being fine, but I, I bought a, I wanted to go to Wrigley, uh, uh, Fenway Park. So I've been to a lot of the great baseball stadium and I'm in Boston and there's a game that night and I wanted to go to Fenway Park. And so I bought a ticket on the street and, um, uh, which is fine. I just wanted to get in as they call them. I just wanted to be able to say I'd been to Fenway Park and, um, but it was behind them. mentioned casually that you'd parked your car by the harbor. <laughs> <laughs> but I got a seat behind a pole, which I didn't even know existed at ballparks. <laughs> it did at did Fenway Park, where I my legs were straddling a pole. The pole was the front of the seat, and you had to put your leg around it to sit on the seat with the pole in front of you. And you could either look on this side of the pole or that side of the pole. Uh, who knew seats like that even existed? 
The old timey <laughs> parks they did Wrigley Field. If you're sitting on the lower deck toward the back, ball goes up in the air and disappears because the lower deck came or the upper deck came down far enough you couldn't see it. And you'd see the guy settle under it, and you'd think, yeah, it looks like he's going to catch it. That's terrible. <laughs> I sat in those like once and learned my lesson. <laughs> what's the what's the term on the ticket? Uh, impeded view or partial view, something like that. So do you think it? So my kids have not been to a, a professional baseball game or football game or NBA anything like that. Yeah, and they kind of want to go. Do I start up in the cheap seats where, like, as I just mentioned, it was unbelievable for me to be in those cheap seats? Yeah, but you're a young baseball fan. Do I get them better seats? But then they're jaded, and if we ever ever sit up further up, it's going to be... I I think Joe brings up an interesting point that since they are not already fervent about baseball Uh the way that you are... The whole cheap seat things might be kind of a it might be a tough sell if you wanted yeah. to do it again. You're trying to make them fall in love. You were already in love. I was already in love, so mm-hmm. I could have sat anywhere. Yeah, I would I would treat them close enough that you can hear the crack of the bat and and see the guys scratching themselves. Because uh, you know, for legit, once you sit on uh, with your feet on the court at an NBA game, it's it's pretty hard to sit way up high <laughs> and yeah. think, why am I not just at home? I would suggest uh, starting minor league and and scaling up to professionals, though. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna do that. Yeah. We're gonna do a triple A AAA game. Why do you think they'd get the bends if you immediately went to the major leagues? Or, I didn't know there were minor leagues when I went to my first Cubs game. No, I didn't know either. But I I, I like for first of all because they're not into baseball, and mm. I don't want it to be a complete waste of time to make the trek and expense to do major league baseball. Ah, if, yeah, yeah. If a half hour into it, they're both hating it. Go to triple yeah. A, cost nothing. Not much parking, get a hot dog, you know, that sort of stuff. Get the hot dog, follow it with the cotton candy, follow that with the ice cream, follow that with the popsicle. (laughs) That's the way you get them hooked. And diabetes, that's how you get them diabetes. (laughs) So you convince them that the point of baseball is that you can eat any bit of crap that you want. the The whole rule for eating crap goes out the window if you go to a baseball game, and that's how I get them on the hook. Exactly. Whatever it takes. So after years of going to baseball games, they'll be 400 pounds and still not have the slight. What, three strikes or out? That's new to me. I don't actually understand a game. Here comes the Cracker Jack guy again. <laughs> Tried to catch a hot dog with my mouth when they shot it at the crowd. Not a good idea. Got my sight back, though. Armstrong and Getty. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. I forewarned you. Let's go, Brandon. The Armstrong and Getty Show. People with these names should watch their step. A California-based firm compiles a list of people who are most accident-prone by name. That sounds idiotic. I told you it was stupid. Yeah, but I thought... We went into it as stupid. I thought you meant... I mean, like, regular stupid, not like uber stupid. Well, you know... uh, Scientists, uh, you know, the, you take a look at everything. You never know when you're going to hit upon something. This one's almost certainly stupid, but mm-hmm. there's some people believe that the, your name can have an impact on your life, affect your personality, etc. I don't know if I believe that at all. If you had a particularly weird name, it might have some impact on your personality growing up, but man, even then, I don't think it'd be a lot. <laughs> That reminds me, um, you know, if your last name's Pig and your kids name you Ima, that sort of thing. Sure. Oh, yeah. That I could see. Your, your parents are awful. That's your or problem. Or if your name is Barry Satoro, but that's not exotic enough, so you start calling yourself Barack Obama. Um, I was doing, I'm getting way off track here. 
Um, or Sandy Cortez now calls herself uh, Alexandra Ocasio Cortez. Um, you know, uh, I don't know why I thought of this, but I was doing the parent teacher conference for my son, my fifth grader, yesterday. And she is talking about, or there's one particular thing that makes uh, my son uncomfortable. And then she's talking about some kids, this makes them uncomfortable. And she's talking about what her made her uncomfortable. Man, if there is one gift I could give to my kids, and I know every parent feels exactly the same way, and every parent probably has. A billion dollars. It'd be a billion dollars. Now you don't have anything to worry about. A toy fire truck. Uh, it's just the ability to, to like look at it through your grown-up eyes. Mm. Uh, so many things that were torturous as a child. Mm. As a grown-up, you think, why Why did little me sit there suffering because you thought your feet were too big or your hair was the wrong color or you had a funny name or, you know, whatever your thing is. Right. You couldn't read as well out loud or your math or just or your the sports or whatever your thing was that was torturous to you as a kid. If you could just give kids the adult perspective on that, oh. they just don't give a crap. Yeah, yeah, I know it. I know it. It's funny, and, and, and it's just—it's terrible that kids have to suffer through it. I, you know, obviously that's part of life. Somehow, it's the way it's supposed to be, I suppose. But well, and it's a—it's uh, a learning curve for a lot of us, learning to pay heed to and 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 like respect their expressing their issue to you, and not reject it. Not say, don't worry about that. Yeah, no, that they are worry. Yeah, that doesn't about. work, and I know that from my own personal experience. Right? Yeah, absolutely. So you have to recognize it, and then find a way to very, very, very gently convey the notion that uh, this too shall pass. You'll get past this. It won't even leave a mark, um, unless it does. And and trust me when I say, even after your kids are adults, sometimes you have to have that conversation. I also go with the. Uh you know, since you are, you know, what it feels like when somebody mentions your whatever your situation is, mm-hmm. it's a good reason not to do it to other people. There you go. Teaches you compassion. Um, anywho, I don't know how I got off on that. I guess the names thing, being made fun of for your name. But anyway. That's a little insight there. I didn't expect it when this stupid, stupid thing began. <laughs> this is yeah, stupid. Give me, a, give me a for instance. I wish I had the name. <laughs> the name part is stupid. I actually like would like more from the study. This stuff. Um. Personal injury claims, and they went through all of them in the state of California, which is a big state. Mm-hmm. Women suffer injuries 37% more when falling over. Men are top tw- heavy. It's the breasts. <laughs> Fall it just over? makes sense. Ah. <laughs> that doesn't happen to me that often. Men are 23% more likely to have mishaps at home than women. They don't have any reason for this. They just compile it. I'd like to. I'd probably like to see that whole thing. I bet it's interesting. But then they. I bet a lot of the mishaps are uh, uh, falls from ladders and stuff like that when you're fixing stuff. If your name is Kyle, you're probably going to fall off a ladder, or slam your foot in a door. I'll be damned. Or trip over something. Trying to think if I know your head on a cupboard, Kyle. I didn't have the time to to independently (laughs) do a comparison, but I would love to see those names overlapped with most popular names of the age ranges kind of featured here because it seems like i don't know the more popular names are just going to show up more often is it yeah right is it a disproportionate number excellent, of kyle's excellent point in a that, percentage of kyle's and then and names are not doled out evenly correct no it is not a random sample there are going to be more brandon stubbing their toe in 10 years as adults than exactly. ulysses 
than you, than autos. Yeah, right. <laughs> Not because right. of their name. There are more Caitlins yeah. falling over as we speak. Exactly. Oh, Madisons the, can't bits. stay upright. Oh, are you kidding? Um, <laughs> you can't swing a dead uh, cat without hitting a prone Madison. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I was talking about, I think I was talking about Pinehurst, North Carolina the other day with a, a buddy of mine. Um, and I said, you can't swing a dead cat without hitting a championship golf course. He said, Joe, Joe, you need to let your dead cat go. <laughs> Why are you hanging on to Stop this? swinging it. <laughs> Cracked me up. <laughs> so Sean took a stupid premise, and by pointing out the flaw in the stupid premise, made it even stupider. So yes. I'm not even going to talk about it anymore, because it's just moronic. Oh, I ruined it. It's just moronic. <laughs> well, it's fun to talk about uh, some of the... Uh... I'll hit you with the women. Uh, Haley. But I think that Again, gets to the yeah to Sean's point. Yeah, I don't think I know a. Yeah, I do know a Haley. Yeah, I do. Sorry, I'll retract that. More Haley's are falling over than Ruth's. <laughs> Names, Jack. They come in and out, don't they? Yeah. You ever notice that? <laughs> 